Ten minutes it is after 8 p.m. You tuned in to the uh, SMME Exchange here on Metro FM Talk. And this evening, uh, we try and make sense of, uh, I guess, all of the measures that have been uh, put together to try and assist small and medium-sized enterprises during this difficult moment of COVID-19. It might be the 200 billion rand loan guarantee scheme, uh, which has been uh, paid out through the banks right through to some of the large commitments uh, by uh, uh, billionaires and philanthropic organizations uh, to the space. But uh, my next guest says that uh, small businesses are going to need something short of a miracle if they are to survive and keep and uh, retain thousands of jobs. And uh, he's uh, one of the special advisors also to the Suguma Relief Fund. And he says uh, Suguma suggests a more permanent rescue mission to help small businesses in crisis. And he joins me now to tell, tell us all about it. Uh, Dr. Tami Mazwai uh, is a part of the panel of advisors at the Suguma Relief Fund and also a member of the National Planning Commission. Dr. Mazwai, good evening to you and welcome. Uh, good, uh, good evening, Ayabonga, and uh, obviously uh, good evening to your listeners. Doc, let's maybe start off here. I mean, I, I, I'm quite interested, I guess, before we even get to, you know, some of the suggestions that Suguma is making here. Your, your sense and what, what do you make? I mean, uh, certainly at the start of the lockdown, there were a lot of deliberations, debates, webinars, calls, where discussions were being had about how do we make sure uh, that this disruptive Im- uh, impact of COVID-19 and the subsequent lockdown doesn't have the impact of getting many small and medium-sized enterprises out of business so that we don't see this enterprise destruction and with it the destruction of jobs. When you look back now, we're in you know, the end of September, nearing towards October. What are some of your reflections of how well we've done in making sure that we're able at least to keep some of those enterprises operating, albeit, of course, at lower capacity? Um, and maybe where have we failed and uh, where have we probably not done as much as we could to ensure that uh, all of the enterprise destruction that has happened could have been avoided? Well, I mean, uh, thanks very much. I think that uh, uh, South Africa has tried to uh, deal with the situation, but South Africa is really being held back by the structure of the economy that uh, it inherited uh, several years ago. Now, those disparities are a mill around our necks so that you find that even now when, because of COVID-19, there is blood in the streets because of the impact of COVID-19, then it is worse, particularly with black uh, SMEs, because they really have never had the oxygen uh, to get into the mainstream uh, because of the policies or the uh, what one would call the superstructure that we inherited. We assumed that when we got democracy and uh, uh, and we, the economy was opened up, we assumed that Lekasaran is would immediately be able to run as fast as the white as as many is, so that we did not put into into place structures that would have catapulted black SMEs into the mainstream. Now, come COVID-19, those same sickly black SMEs and the informal sector are again the worst affected. And I mean, uh, if I told you, look at what has happened in the townships with their small businesses, you'd feel like uh, crying and so on because the impact has been severe. Now, when I look at the figures 
of uh, Sukuma. Mm. Uh, Sukuma was able to assist about the, all of the people. He, he has spent or is about to finish spending the one billion that was provided by the Rupert family and the uh, Remgro. Uh, I think that I mean uh, they are just about two months uh, would have used uh, all that money in terms of grants and loans, and the loans did not go beyond a uh, one million rand. But the beneficiaries are sixty percent white and forty percent black. Now, when you break this down, you find that the seizures that we inherited uh, are affecting us. Let us first look at the informal sector. A lot of people have said Sukuma should have done quite a lot uh, uh, to assist uh, the informal sector. But the informal sector are unregistered entities. They don't have any identity in the business world. It's an individual. Now, to what extent are you sure that when you give this 25,000 grants to this company that has got no registration, whether you give it to a company or to an, or to an individual, particularly in the light of the, what has happened at the UIF fund? Because entrepreneurship is also destructive. There are those entrepreneurs who take advantage of gaps like you saw in the SIIU, and then they fleece the situation. So this has what has caught up uh, with us. So we might be using the race card to blame everybody, but the reality is that what we have not really done a lot to uh, really make sure that we've got hail and hearty uh, small people. Mm. And these now are the ones now who are at the, at the who are one of suffering because of COVID nineteen. Dr. Maswa, I mean, uh, just briefly on the point that you're making, because I think it's a very important point that, you know, our informal sector in this country might not be, you know, as large a proportion of the small business sector as maybe what you might see elsewhere on the continent. But it's it's still an important enough uh, informal sector to consider. And I'm quite interested in sort of uh, your argument there that uh, it's been difficult to extend relief because, you know, people aren't in the formal net uh, but surely the question should be, and uh, maybe this is given rise to by the moment and COVID-19, what kinds of support can we extend even to those businesses that don't make the choice to opt into the formal space, but continue to operate uh, notwithstanding? Well, we could use the Mexican uh, approach. The Mexicans mm. have classified the SME sector into uh, four levels. And uh, the lowest level is would, would be say, survival, and then the next level would be those with uh, potential, and then the next level would be those now who really are now ready to be formalized and so on. Now, we have not put those structures in place mm. where we classify the informal sector because the informal sector is very critical because you have people now who are paying their rent in terms of now they are getting the skills, even though, I mean, uh, the skills that they are getting, it's not in a at the university and so on, but they are learning from the School of Hard Knocks. And these are the people that now you can help graduate into the formal sector. Now, the Department of Small Business Development had the uh, uh, NIBAS strategy, which it inherited from the DTI. Uh, But we really don't have hear much about the the NIBAS, and yet this was an instrument that we had to catapult these small businesses, these informal businesses, into a formality because you had to evaluate them to see how best 
they are businesses that have got potential. And that is what we should be doing in our country, going to the informal mm. sector and saying, who has got potential? Do not just go about giving everybody sure, who says sure. he's informal assistance because <laughs> uh, uh, you're going to waste money. You mm. have got to look for the cream of the crop and assist those because when you assist these, they have their potential to employ other people sure, sure. and so on. Okay. Yes. Dr. Maswai, I want us to pause here for a second. Uh, we're going to take a quick spot break. But when we come back, uh, I'll take a look at some of the tweets that have started to come through and also, I guess, uh, some questions being posed around the role of uh, uh, foreign migrants in rural and township economies in the context of our uh, discussion on small and medium-sized enterprises. We'll also take a look about at uh, government procurement and the payment of uh, invoices to small businesses and how uh, I guess uh, that has been dealt with uh, during this moment, if at all. And we'll continue with all of that in our SMME exchange after this. It's 21 minutes after 8 p.m. and uh, we are in our SMME exchange here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this evening I'm in conversation with uh, Dr. Tami Mazwai, a member of the National Planning Commission and also part of the uh, panel of advisors to the Suguma Relief Fund. And uh, we take a look at some of the tweets that have been coming through. Tung um, Watato on Twitter saying, we won't find sustainability for as long as private and public sector delays payments uh, to SMMEs in the economy and the clothing uh, a collection here, Afro Colin on Twitter, uh, saying, uh, uh, do these funds and some of this funding exist in for real or is it just a myth? And I guess, uh, Dr. Maswai, for many people uh, who try and uh, who apply and uh, you know often don't even get uh, the luxury of a rejection letter, it might seem like all of these pots of money and all these funds are a myth that we just talk about, you know, upper uh, and uh, certainly doesn't get to where it's needed the most. And I guess the point that Mtung was also raising there around uh, the delayed payments of invoices to small and medium-sized enterprises, which is a challenge that even predates COVID-19. Well, let's first deal with the first uh, item there. Mm. Let us first deal with the first item. And that, and what I'm left with the delayed payments. Uh, I don't believe that uh, the government uh, really has been serious uh, on this issue. Uh, I really don't think it has been serious. Uh, we have had this as a policy that government departments must do this. But when there is no consequence management, uh, nothing, is going to, uh, uh, nothing is going to happen. And instead, the question of delayed payments to, uh, uh, to small businesses, particularly to small, to, to even to small and then just in general black businesses, has also got a tinge of corruption in it. And I'll tell you what happened to me, and it's happening all over the country. Some time ago, uh, because I run a small business, mm -hmm. I, did, I provided a service. And that particular entity, government department, was not paying, it was refusing, and so on, until I got a telephone call from somebody who was working there, and he says, man, we're sorry, we're delaying you, uh, this thing, but no. Well, I'm going to make sure that you get paid within the next uh, seven days. So I hear the sigh of relief. But then the next sentence said it all. But, you know, uh, there are other people who are also waiting. So what are they going to make you? Who are going to put you number one? And, you know, I mean, Mamma's right. And that was, mm. and that, 
And that is the story. Where payments are deliberately withheld. And then you make renders that call that goes to the small business. That says that, look, we're ready to pay you, but this. Now, if the government had what we call consequence management, that is, if a department or an entity fails to pay within 30 days, action is taken, then you would wipe out uh, all this. Now, let's get to the other question. The other question, what was it, by the way? So, so the other question came from uh, Colin, who was saying, you know, do these funds really exist or is it just a myth? And I guess, you know, it, it comes from a very yes. deep place of okay. despondency, having applied, I guess, in the past and not having uh, received any favorable response. Well, I think that the funds really exist. I mean, uh, on that, I mean, I must say that there's been the Solidarity Fund. It has existed. It has, uh, uh, it, it has, I think it has been exhausted now and so on. And the... Uh, 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 Minister Mboweni has made that billion, those billions available, but they're being administered by the banks. The problem here, uh, Ayabonga, is that you have got relief money, but you want to provide that relief money by using the same instruments that you use when you give normal growth businesses and so on. Uh, you don't have a special set of measures. That is now going to measure the extent uh, uh, that that is now going to allow you to uh, expedite the assistance that uh, you must give. Instead, mm. you, ap- you apply those credit management strategies that you used to in the past. We have, as media Dynamics, appealed to our financial institution that we bank with. We are waiting. That's all I can say that we are waiting. And our staff members are on, they used to be on half pay a month. Mm. Now it's no longer half pay. We're all just waiting until something happens. This is Dr. the reality out there. Just, Dr. I mean, on this question, uh, I was saying earlier on that there were a lot of conversations back and forth around this loan guarantee, primarily looking at the design features of it. And in hindsight, I think many of us uh, have been criticized for making this call, which is that we surely should not, as you rightfully say, have cre- used the same structures that are used for growth funding, as stringent as they are to extend capital to these businesses, when ideally we were looking to fund the business that, in the ordinary day-to-day context without COVID-19, probably would not have had access to bank capital. So, so the idea is not to give that money to all of the businesses that already were banking, but you wanted to also get some of the other businesses who would not ordinarily get a bank loan to come into the tent as well. What about that did we miss in how we designed this? And uh, I mean, is there scope to salvage any of it? I mean, only about 70 billion rand or so has been lent out uh, of around 200 billion rand. Uh, So there's still, I guess, a lot more work still to be done during this moment. And even the pandemic is is by, by no stretch of the imagination over. Look, if the government is serious, about this money that it has given to the, that it has made available to the bank to give out to small business in terms of relief and stimulation. All that it needs to do is to perhaps sit down with the, to, to set up a structure that is going to help hold the banks into account. That is going to say, by this month, by this month, you should have done X, Y, Z. Because 
this money is meant for that X, Y, Z. So if at all now the banks are using their credit systems, measurement systems, it's quite obvious that a lot of people who qualify for this emergency assistance are not going to get it. So all that is needed now is that there are structures that the government can, uh, the government can set up structures, whether it's with the DTI, CFA, uh, or whatever. I mean, uh, uh, to say, look, how is this being administered? Don't leave it to Treasury, uh, because Treasury has got its own plate, uh, which is full. This is an emergency fund. So mm. get an emergency committee to administer it. And once you have set up that emergency committee, same as you did with Sukoma, same as you did with the Solidarity Fund, you'll find that things start moving. But right now, things are not going to move because we're hoping that the banks will... Uh, we're hoping, we're praying, we're just depending on their conscience. That, uh, that, and yet they've got their own systems, and those systems are not emergency... Uh, mm. are not e- emergency-driven. Then what now we're doing at Sukuma? Uh, because, I mean, uh, part of the money were grants, those grants were, but then some of the money is uh, uh, were loans. So we're now looking at setting up a structure that now is going to deal specifically with specific kinds of, 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 of situation, uh, saying that the crisis continues. So the businesses that we're going to assist are going to be victims of that crisis, whether it is the COVID-19 or whether now we're going to expand it to use other, so that you give that leg up to those businesses in the townships and the rural areas, particularly, Mm. that can play a critical role in fighting poverty, inequality, and unemployment. But until you take those drastic measures, nothing is going to happen. And that's why then Sokoma is now having a discussion to say, look, a pandemic is coming to an end, but the crisis facing black businesses in particular is not going to come to an end. How can we continue to being of service to South Africa? Mm. Does it concern you, the 60-40 split? Uh, the fact that 60% of the resources Suguma has divvied out have been divvied out to white-owned, small and medium-sized enterprises? Now, I can explain that very easily. Mm. If you look at the formal sector in South Africa, uh, just the former small business sector, the formal sector, it's top-heavy white. You know it's sure. true. You yeah. are in that space. Now, when people apply for loans, why should that not reflect itself in terms of the... Uh, why should that not reflect itself? Why mm, should we have guess, yeah. a, a, a different outcome? Mm. Are we sort? So if that being said, uh, the small business yeah. sector is 80% white. When you give emergency assistance, mm. you are going to get uh, you are going to get that ratio in whatever language you call it. That ratio is going to reproduce sure. itself. Then you're going to the informal sector. The informal sector I've told you what the problem is, and it's like in the UIF, is that so and so says to you. I run a small business. And then you say, prove to me that you run a small business. And that is the problem because the informal sector, they don't have the structures or the ability to prove that they are doing this now. Must you now really take money 
and give to people when you know when you've got doubts, because mm. when you are giving this money, it is not Akshay uh, money. It is money for people to get on their feet, small businesses in other words, and get on with a major role of growing our economy. And those, that's the reality. Whether you look at uh, Sukuma and whether you look at the other funds, you are always going to find a replication of the ratios that you find in the economy. Hmm. Last question, and uh, I guess it's inspired somewhat by the tweet here from Ngaba Lamani on Twitter, uh, who is uh, saying, you know, um, Dr. Mazwai, do you think there's political will to support SMMEs? And I guess you've, you've covered some of that. Uh, yeah. And uh, what's your view on the collapse of the township economy and the role of uh, foreign migrants in the township economy? And I guess uh, what implications has the current moment had uh, for uh, their role uh, in relation, I guess, to, to the role of uh, South Africans in the same township economy? Uh, let us talk uh, on the, what are called uh, on what we see as uh, uh, the, uh, the foreigners. Uh, what you have globally is what is known as immigrant entrepreneurship. Mm. Now, the immigrant entrepreneurs, because they don't, um, they are not going to enjoy the support of that government, of that of the government of that country that they are in. They create their own structures, and these structures unfortunately, are very strong. They've got their own banking systems, they've got their own procuring systems, and so on. And the locals have got to a better that. Now, we have not. We have not, as South Africa, tried to assist the locals, Try to assist the locals to really stand their own against these uh, people. We have heard this whole thing of action, love thy neighbor. We are talking business here. You cannot expect a South African informal dealer who is suffering because he's got the, that guy is operating better than he is to still love his neighbor. It's not going to happen while in business here and so on. What the government has got to do is to put in systems. Some provinces are already doing it. Is to put systems in place that are going to empower the locals to beat the immigrant entrepreneurs or to perform at acceptable levels. And that's what we have been preaching, and I'm hoping that this is going to uh, accelerate. And I think that uh, 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 there's no other way, because when you go to New York, you are going to find immigrant entrepreneurs, and they are mm. just as strong. But the Americans sure. have got a way of beating them. In Tanzania, what happened? I mean, they were there in Tanzania, the Somalis. Uh, so what the Tanzanian guys did in Dar es Salaam, they got together, they said, we know the buyers better than these people. So this is what we are going to do. They came with their own strategy. And in no time, they saw the Somalis said they are back to the world. Have we done the same in South Africa? We have not. Hmm. Dr. Maswai, always a pleasure catching up with you, Masishi Apo and Abulala uh, Akulu, for taking time out to speak to us this evening. No, thanks very much, Ayabonga. It's always a pleasure, really, to uh, talk to you, and I wish you well uh, in the space because you are a fellow small business. Good luck. Indeed.
Indeed. Thank yeah. you very much, uh, Dr. Tami Mazwai, speaking to us there. He's part of the panel of advisors at the Suguma Relief Fund uh, and also a member of the National Planning Commission. And uh, a lot of his work solely focused on uh, uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, the township economy, and how we get uh, many of our own people into productive and gainful engagement in the world of enterprise. It's uh, 24 minutes uh, now before 9 p.m. In the next few minutes or so, uh, we're going to have an opportunity to take a look at what has happened out um, in Guazulu Natal, Guasizabantu Mission Church, uh, which is not just a mission church. Uh, it was founded, I understand, in 1970 by a German preacher. Uh, but uh, it has certainly morphed into a, a very strong a commercial operation as well and uh, it seems here now that uh, this 50 year old mission in KZN stands accused of gross violations of human rights turning a blind eye to sexual abuse and allegations of rape uh, and also allegations of money laundering and uh, after about seven months or so uh, of investigations uh, we are going to be uh, checking in uh, with uh, a journalist from News 24 Noctula Magnati uh, to talk about uh, all of the moving parts in this particular story, which, as I said earlier on, has the makings of a fascinating and a thrilling uh, movie script. And I certainly hope many of the filmmakers uh, uh, here in South Africa are very alive to the moment and uh, probably putting some scripts together around this particular one. But aside from just that fiction uh, or fictionalized accounts that could emerge from this, uh, I guess the big question is largely around what's going to happen with all of the investigations we've already seen Many retailers responding uh, from a reputation management perspective and uh, taking out a quell bottled water and some of the fresh produce that comes uh, from farms that are linked to the Guasizabantu Mission Church off their shelves. And uh, the reactions continue. And we certainly will hear over the next day or so more and more of those coming through. We understand Pick and Pay is currently in conversation uh, with uh, as one of the entities under the Guasizabantu umbrella. And we'll continue and check out that particular story with Noctula Magnati after this. But before we do that, we'll uh, have a chance to take a look at uh, some of the uh, uh, discussions around the uh, political futures of Kusela Diego, Bandila Masuku and Loiso Masuku. And we'll also take a look at uh, the case of a suspected kidnapper who was nabbed in Orange Farm earlier on today.